Go ahead and get your Bibles out. We're going to be in 1 Peter, the, the book of 1 Peter this morning, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 and 2 is what we'll be this morning. And if you're, um, if you're new with us today, uh, welcome. We're so excited to, that, to have you, to worship you, with you, that the Lord has uh, brought you here to worship with us. And so um, you came on a great day. This is our first Sunday post-launch, and we were able to celebrate last Sunday uh, just everything the Lord has done with this group of people who felt called to help bring the gospel to the people here in Decatur County. And so it was just a great day to celebrate. It was incredible to see how the Lord had worked over these last five years. And so we just, we worship him every day for that, that he is faithful, that he's a faithful God. And this morning we will continue to worship him um, through his word. And so as we open up today, we're going to open up to a new series, our first series post-launch here at The Rock and so for the next 10 weeks as a church, we will walk verse by verse and line by line through the letter of 1 Peter uh, in a series that we are titling Faith Unleashed, Sanctification and Suffering. And so over the next 10 weeks, we will dig deep into this letter that Peter wrote. And, and, and what we will find in here is we'll see that even in persecution, even in suffering, there is hope for us as followers of Jesus and opportunity for God to be glorified through the love of Jesus in our suffering and in our persecution. So that's what we will see as we walk verse by verse, line by line, through this text in 1 Peter. So that being said, again, go ahead and get your Bibles out. If you uh, don't have a copy of God's Word, we have one for you today that you can take home with you. You'll find it under a seat near you. And we're going to, again, open up 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And so as we open up the text today, as we focus solely on verses 1 and 2, before we get into it, though, we need some background information. We need some context here, like why is Peter writing this letter? Um, when was it written? Who's, it, who's he writing to? So we just need some context so that we can bridge this gap from the original author and the original writing and the original audience to us today in our context today. So this letter of 1 Peter was, of course, written by the Apostle Peter around 60 A.D., we find out at the end of this letter that the words that we are reading are Peter's words, but the letter was actually penned by a man named Silvanus, which was common, right? Paul had people write for him, actually physically pen for him his own words. This was very common in this time. And this is what theologians call a circular document, meaning that this letter was meant to be distributed to many different churches throughout the region. As we have walked through a few of Paul's epistles, we've seen that they're directly written to certain churches, but this letter being circular is written to a bunch of different churches in a region of the world. And so in particular, Peter, as we dive into this, is writing to a certain region of churches in Asia Minor, which we'll dig into that here in just a moment. But before we get into that, we first need to know a little bit about the author. Who is Peter? If you have never read the Bible before, you don't know who Peter is, where he came from, why he's writing this letter, we're going to dig into that first this morning. So to start, Peter was a fisherman. He lived in this seaside village of Capernaum. And through his brother Andrew, he was brought in front of Jesus and then called by Jesus. And thus Peter became an apostle of Jesus, right? A follower of the teacher, Jesus. And Peter was a man of a few different names. As you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that Peter has a man of different names, his original name, his birth name, was Simon or Simeon 
in the Aramaic, the original, the original language of the Jews in this region. And Jesus later in Aramaic gave him the name Kepha or Cephas as we, as we read it in English, which is the Aramaic word that means rock. And then later in the New Testament, as it was translated into the Greek, he was given the name, that word Cephas or Kepha means Petros, which translated in English, Peter. Okay, so we'll, we'll see that as you study through the Gospels, you'll see these names, but really the name Peter means rock. And Peter was given this name that means rock in Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 and 18. This moment where Jesus gave Peter this name, Peter, Jesus had asked his disciples, all of them together, who do you say I am? And Peter speaks up first, and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus' answer to him was this. He said, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Then in verse 18, Jesus says this to Peter. He says, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was on this statement that Peter made that Jesus is the Christ that is the solid foundation on which the church is built. And this is why Jesus gave him this name. It was on this profession that Jesus is Lord that the church is founded upon. So now as we, as we read about Peter in the New Testament, we find out a few interesting things about him. We find out that Peter, when, when all the disciples of Jesus are listed, his name is always listed first in the Gospels. His name is also mentioned most often next to Jesus' name in the Gospels. And some, some of that has to do with the character of Peter. When we look at his character, who, what kind of man he was, who he was, we find that Peter was always first to speak. He was always ready to speak out. He was ready at all times to show his loyalty to Jesus. He's a strong leader, passionate about the ministry of Christ. As we read on throughout the Gospels, we find that, that Peter, with the apostle James and John, was part of Jesus' inner circle, part of his three. In other words, Peter had a strong connection to Jesus during his ministry, and he was boldly all in for Christ. This was an intense man who was extremely bold and extremely zealous for Jesus. A man not afraid to push the limits, a man not afraid to take risks. When Peter, in fact, we see this so many times throughout the Gospels. One example of this is this, when, when Jesus sends off his disciples into a boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and a huge storm arises, and the disciples are all terrified of the storm in the boat, and then they see Jesus in this storm walking on water. The first thing that happens is Peter stands up in the boat and says, Lord, call me out onto the waves. Like, this is how bold this man is. When Jesus spoke about his upcoming death on the cross, when he told his disciples, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die for you. It was Peter in his extreme boldness, though he was wrong, who rebuked Jesus. He said, Lord, you will never die. And then later on, when Jesus attempts to wash Peter's feet, when he, when he starts to wash all the disciples' feet and he gets to Peter, Peter stops him and says, you are God, you will never wash my feet. 
And then here's the kind of guy he is. When Jesus tells him, if, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part in me. Peter says, okay, then wash my head too. He's radical. Right? He's all in, all the way, full speed, follower of Jesus. Right before Jesus is betrayed by Judas, he tells his disciples on this very night, I will be struck and you will all scatter. And Peter stands up in his boldness and says, not me, Lord. All these other guys might tuck tail and run, but I will die before I deny you. This guy's extreme. He's all in. He's bought in. No one around him would have ever doubted Peter's commitment. But still, though he was all in for Jesus, though he was living this radical life for Jesus, Peter hadn't felt real persecution yet. And when it comes, when that real persecution finally comes, in the moment of suffering, Peter was pushed off his foundation, off this, this strong, bold, zealous man for God. Peter's loyalty to Jesus failed at the point of persecution and hardship, which he experienced during Jesus' trial and crucifixion. As Jesus was being sentenced to death, as we read, we can read this in the Gospels, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is being sentenced to death in the courtyard of the high priest. He's getting ready to be taken to Pilate. And Peter is seen by some people outside. And they start to accuse him. You're the follower of Jesus. You're a fo He's a follower of Jesus of Nazareth. And it's there that Peter denies Christ three times, hours after telling them that he wouldn't. And hours after Jesus said, yes, you will. Fear struck this bold man who was all in for Jesus. Fear of persecution, fear of suffering. Fear as he was watching Jesus be, be cru or persecuted, be tortured, be beaten. Fear rose up in this man who had seen Jesus work miracles and, and who he wholeheartedly believed was the Christ, the Son of God. In this moment, Peter forgot that his life and his well-being it wasn't his to worry about. He forgot who he was worshiping. Peter forgot that he had hope in Jesus. He forgot his identity, and even more, Peter forgot who he belonged to. And as we look today, as we open up verses 1 and 2, if a man who walked with Jesus, who saw him work miracles in a time of persecution, can doubt, can, can deny church we can too. Like this persecution, it could push us off our foundation, and that's why Peter's writing this letter. So we will be founded in who we belong to. The uh, apostle Peter is going to show us today that as followers of Jesus, when persecution and suffering bec comes because of our faith in Jesus, when times are hard, we have hope because we've been bought and paid for. Because of Jesus, Peter's going to show us that we must always remember, no matter what suffering you are going through, you belong to Jesus. As we walk through this section of text, we have to remember where Peter is coming from, right? All the background information we just got on, on who he is and what happened to him, his walk with Jesus, the kind of man he is. We have to see that he's speaking out of his own personal failure, Failure in how he handled persecution the very first time. He's going to set the foundation for how we are to correctly handle persecution and suffering for God from here on out. 
And so as we look at this big idea that no matter what suffering you are going through, you belong to Jesus. Let's, let's break down this big idea. The first part of this is, is no matter what suffering you are going through, what suffering will we encounter as Christians? As followers of Jesus, how will we suffer? Well, verse 1, Peter shows us. He says this in verse 1. Let's get our eyes on the text. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So Peter opens up, introduces himself. Now we already know Peter's history. We just went through it. We know where he came from. And now after introducing himself, Peter tells us about who he is writing to. He says, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. And then he lists a bunch of cities, right? Well, the first question we need to answer is this. Who are the elect exiles of the dispersion? Who's he writing to? Let's break that sentence down so that we understand exactly the context Peter is addressing and who he's addressing it to. He says first, elect. So who are the elect? Well, these are people chosen. These are chosen people of Christ, right? These are Christians, those who are foreknown and have obtained salvation through faith in Jesus. And we'll continue to talk more about this in verse 2. But if you're in the room and you have placed your faith in Jesus... You are a part of the elect. So Peter here is, is addressing the Christians that are exiled in the dispersion. So next we see this word exile. What he's stating here is the status of those who are in Christ. This word exile is translated from the Greek word peripedimos, which defined means strangers or pilgrims or aliens. So Peter is stating here that as Christians, we are scattered throughout the world, And we're scattered in a world that we don't belong in. We're aliens. We're strangers to it. And we're strangers and aliens in this world because we don't belong here. Our home is in heaven. All right? In Philippians 3.20, Paul says, as Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. And that's who Peter's addressing. He's addressing the Christians spread across the regions of Pontus and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who don't belong in the world whose true home is with Jesus in heaven. And this region with all these cities made up is what we call Asia Minor. Okay, and we have a map here that we'll throw up. You kind of see where Asia Minor is at. This is a region where Asia and Europe meet. What is now what we call Turkey, modern day Turkey. And in this time period, Roman persecution from Nero, right? Roman persecution from the guy who would, who would eventually kill Peter, martyr Paul, behead him, Roman persecutions of Christians had swept across the empire, particularly in this space, this region. And Peter knew that every Christian was either already facing persecution or was going to face it. Like, it's coming. At this time, the emperor Nero was having Christians burned alive at the stake. He was using them as his personal torches in his gardens. He was throwing them to lions. He was having them crucified left and right. Now, even though the church in America today is not dealing with this same persecution that many followers of Jesus were in this time, we can bridge this text. We we live in a time where the fact that we are aliens in a land that we don't belong in is extremely evident. I mean, look look around us. Our Our society promotes and feeds 
promiscuity, it promotes lust, it promotes self-idolatry, greed, power, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, the, the land that we live in embraces lies. It embraces truth as a lie and lies as truth. That a, a man is not a man, that a woman is not a woman, that life doesn't begin at conception, that being happy and feeling good is the most important thing in life. And here we are standing, moving opposite of the grain of the world. We stand here moving opposite against the tide, placing our foundation in Jesus and his word. Standing on his truth, standing on his word, going against everything the world says should be celebrated, everything the world says is right, everything the world says is fair, everything the world says is acceptable, or everything the world says will make you happy. And when that happens, the Bible tells us we will be persecuted. All right, when you're standing against the grain of the masses, you will be persecuted. And if it hasn't happened to you yet, if you're in this room, you've placed your faith in Jesus and this hasn't happened to you yet, if you haven't been persecuted for your faith, it's coming. All right, it's going to happen. There's suffering in this life dedicated to Christ. The Lord never one time hides, us, hides that from us. He says it in his gospels, in all four gospels, over and over again, remember, you're a foreigner in this land. We don't belong here. If we are living as true Christians, as followers of Jesus who are abiding in his word, if we are unashamed of the gospel, if we are unafraid to stand firm on, the, on the, our faith in God's truth, God's word, we are going to stick out. Light in a dark room can never be hidden. It can't hide. The word of God says that we will be hated for our firm foundation in God's truth. Look what Jesus says about persecution in John chapter 15. He says this, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. In verse 20, Jesus says this, Remember the words that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you. This is what we should expect, church. If we are living as a true Christian, we should expect persecution. It shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't shock us. It shouldn't even really get us down. We should expect it. Like this is a part of living for Christ. If we are making kingdom impact in our communities, in our homes, in our families, persecution is going to come. We will be persecuted for our faith. And in our context today, persecution looks a little different. Right? Maybe it's the, that you didn't get that promotion that you definitely deserve because you're, you're a Christian and you don't really fit in with the team at work. Maybe you've lost friends or family because you gave your life over to Jesus and now you're living differently. And just by the way you're living your life, it offends everyone around you. When we stand on the truth of Jesus and his word, we will be hated by the world and the Bible tells us that. And the apostle Peter here is addressing people who are followers of Jesus, who are spreading the gospel throughout this region of Asia Minor in a land that's not their own, in a land that they don't belong in, and they're sticking out, and he knows that they are either already being persecuted or will be persecuted for their faith. They are suffering, and Peter is telling them that even in your current status, as scattered strangers throughout the world who are being persecuted by one of the most violent emperors of Rome ever to live, 
remember one thing, and he chose us here in verse 2, you belong to Jesus. Let's get our eyes back on the text here in verse 2. He says this. He says, those who are elect exiles, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ, and for the sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So the first thing that Peter says here in verse 2 is that you, as a follower of Jesus, you are chosen according to the sovereign foreknowledge of God the Father. He goes back to this word elect. This word defined means chosen. Right? This word elect means chosen. He said that you are chosen by the foreknowledge of the sovereign God. No matter what tribulation you're going to going through no matter what persecution no matter what suffering you were chosen by the one true god to be his sons and daughters you were chosen by god the father to be an elect exile you were chosen to be in this place that you're standing and so for us if we're in a, in a season of persecution where we're being persecuted understand you were chosen for this work god had chose you to be a person who stands on the foundation of the word and be persecuted. He never lies about it. Never lies, period. But he never lies about it. He tells us in his word over and over again, you will be persecuted for your faith. And he's chosen you for that. And not only are you chosen, as the text goes on, but also then sanctified or purified through the work of the Holy Spirit, then to be obedient in surrounding our lives, or surrendering our lives over to Jesus for the blood that he spilled for us. So, so what does all this mean? Right, what does it mean that we were chosen by the foreknowledge of God the Father, that we are sanctified in the Spirit, that, that for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling of his blood, what's all this mean? Well, Peter is stating here, he's saying, you, hey, you Christians of Asia Minor that are scattered and exiled across the land, who are being persecuted by the world, who are suffering for their faith, he's saying, remember, you were chosen you were bought, you were paid for by the blood of Christ. Uh, your, your hope should not lie in anything else. In times of persecution, when you're feeling the weight of it coming down on you, when you're suffering, you have to remember you were bought and paid for. You belong to someone, and the someone you belong to is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I mean, we, we need to receive the same exact thing from this text this morning. As Christians, we must know that we will suffer for his name. We will be persecuted for the gospel. We need to prepare our hearts for this church. That's what Peter's telling us today. That's the context. That's where we're bridging the gap from his original audience to us. Prepare your hearts for persecution. And as we walk verse by verse and line by line through this letter, Peter is going to help equip us and prepare us for persecution. Because as we grow as a church, as we grow as people who are dedicated to going for Jesus, as we live a life dedicated to the Great Commission to go and make disciples, as we start moving against the grain, as we start being a light to the world, the world's gonna persecute us. But we have hope. In that moment, we have hope. Hope through the gospel. And hope, our hope is not in anything else other than the fact that Jesus made us a promise. He said, in suffering to him, suffering for him, that he is with you in all of it. He says in the book of Matthew that because you are suffering in his name, you will be blessed for it. He says in the book of Revelation, in the end, I will wipe away all of this. 
I will wipe away every tear. I will wipe away all this suffering. He made you a promise that, that we belong to him and that belonging to him is all we will ever need. In John chapter 10, Jesus says this. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I gave them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand and I and the father are one. As suffering comes, as persecution comes, we must remember, we must be rooted in this truth. We belong to Jesus. We belong to Jesus and our hope is in him alone and in nothing else, in no one else. We belong to Jesus. That's what we're gonna pray for right now. As we end out service this morning, we're just gonna pray that as we begin to go, as we begin to grow as disciples, as we begin to multiply, as we begin to spread the gospel here in Decatur County, in the city of Greensburg, we will be persecuted. Right, this, this series that we're walking through is here for a reason. We know that we're gonna impact this community with the gospel and we need to prepare all of our hearts to receive persecution and see how God tells us to handle it. So let's pray over these next few weeks, over this, over this next week, over this next 10 weeks of the series that the Lord equips us, that he writes this word on our heart. Let's pray, pray with me. Father, we love you, Lord. Jesus, we thank you for, for your word. We thank you for your apostle Peter for writing this word. We thank you, Jesus, for you moving supernaturally in him to write this word, Father, that we would know and understand how to be a true follower, to be a true disciple for you. And Father, we love, Lord, how you are all knowing, that you know what's gonna happen. You know the end. You know, Father, that we will be persecuted for our faith, Lord, and that you have given us your word to, to equip us and to protect us and to shelter us and to give us hope, Father. Our hope is solely in you, Lord, and we praise you for that. Father, we ask right now as a church body that as we go, as we go out and witness for you, as we go and multiply disciples, Father, we just pray right now, Jesus, that you would write these words on our heart, that as we walk through 1 Peter, as we walk through your word, that you would prepare our hearts, that you would write this word on our hearts, that we would know in every circumstance, in every situation, why we are suffering, and Lord, that we would have this eternal hope in you, that we would know that we have that hope, Father, and that we would go to it, that every moment that we're being persecuted, whether it's at work or at home or in our families or around friends or wherever it is, Father, that we would know we have hope in you, our foundation is in you, and that we've been bought and paid for by you. So Lord, I ask that you shelter us this week in that truth, that this word rings in our ears as we move through the next 10 weeks, that we, as we get equipped, that these these words, your word, ring in our ears, that they're at the forefront of our mind and that we always know we belong to you no matter what. But Father, we love you. And as a church, Father, we pray everything in your name. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Church, you are loved, you are sent. Have a great week.